Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday, there we go, the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley, and it was actually a pretty exciting Tuesday. We, we had a lot going on, very mixed, very mixed reports, um, or I should say kind of all over the place, all dealing with housing. I told you this is a very busy housing week with, of course, inflation data to end the week, but we're going to talk about single family rents A new report from CoreLogic shows some big time slowdowns. So they're still, they're still growing month over month, but some big time slowdowns. We're going to talk about that. Also a fabulous op-ed in Bloomberg, just ripping into NIMBYism. Of course, NIMBYism, not in my backyard. And it's just, it's so wonderful to see people waking up to how horrible nimbyism has been and how how problematic, detrimental it is to growth and prosperity. And it's finally getting called out the way that it should be. So we'll talk about that op-ed. But we are going to start with the monthly report, the new residential construction report from the Census Bureau. And this in itself was a mixed Report. We had some good, we had some not so bad, and then of course the ugly. <laughs> we had a very ugly number with regards to building permits because that's what this report is. It's building permits, housing starts, housing completions, and it was perfectly separated among those three categories. And it was kind of funny because you can you can kind of tell the way these reports get reported the narrative that whatever media outlet is trying to sell. So if, if there's a media outlet that's trying to sell the negative housing market, oh no, things are crashing, it's 2008 all over again, they focused on the building permits. If there was an outlet that was focusing on the positive, trying to give a silver lining, saying, hey, look how great this is, they focused on the housing completions. Because those are the two categories where you saw the biggest spread the biggest difference uh but really housing starts was kind of sort of the normalized number uh for the most part no one really focusing on that i will say it was either permits or completion so this is for the month of november and we are going to start with the ugly number first all right so privately owned housing units authorized by building permits aka building permits fell in November to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.34 million. Now, this is a big drop, 11.2% just month over month, not year over year, month over month, 11.2% drop, which puts permits down 22.4% year over year. So big time drop. Any way you look at it, and economists were expecting a drop not that big 
uh, they were only expecting about 1.9%. So this clearly a lot bigger. What is that? Eight? Is that? No, let's see. Do the math in my head real quickly. That's what? Six times bigger? (laughs) I think I'm doing that right. So yeah, they were off by a factor of six, but okay. All right. All right. So they were off there. So then we get to the not so bad. So we had the ugly, the not so bad housing starts privately owned housing starts in November saw a slight drop to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.42 million. That is down 0.5% from last month and is now down 16.4% when compared to the same time last year. So both data points, permits and housing starts, I mean, they're down big from last year. And I mean, let's face it, we talked about home builder confidence yesterday, home builder confidence down <laughs> down in the 30s uh, on the cusp of entering into the 20s. It's not good. So home builders are not confident. So not surprisingly, building permits and housing starts are where they are. Now, here's what's interesting. So as a 0.5 drop month over month, Economists were actually expecting a bigger drop of 1.8%. So, like I said, not so bad. Because, sure, number not good, but the fact that it was better than expected, not so bad. And then we'll get to the good, and that was housing completions. Privately owned housing completions in November were at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.49 million that is 10.8% higher than the previous month. So big jump month over month, almost the exact opposite of what we saw with building permits. And that puts completions up 6% when compared to the same time last year. So all the other categories, double digits, well into the double digits, negative year over year, except for housing completions. Now I'll tell you something. I don't know why economists don't do a housing completion prediction. They do it for for building permits and housing starts. For some reason, they don't do it with regards. Maybe there's too many factors involved because as we've seen with housing construction, (laughs) homes that you thought were going to be built a year ago are maybe now just being finished. And I mean, this does speak to what's happening with construction. These completions are not being done because builders are super optimistic about what's happening right now. We know they're not. We talked about that yesterday. Um, it's these are completions they probably started maybe two years ago, three years ago in some cases, and are just now able to finish that finish those homes. And so that's why I think a lot of people thought there was going to be this housing glut that we just has not materialized, not even close. In fact, as we've talked about, we talked about it yesterday, housing inventory is continuing to fall, even with these new homes coming to market. So very weird time for housing. And then here's, I think, an important part of this data, because the numbers that we talked about are the overall numbers. That includes single family and multifamily. And of course, that's very different. When things were booming, you know, kind of at the ending of the pandemic, or I should say the ending of 2020, and then as things began kind of opening up and we saw, you know, those those two booms in the housing market. 2021 and then the beginning of this year 2022 a lot of it was being driven by single family single family is where people wanted to live especially during the pandemic when we didn't know sort of the nature of the virus people were worried about living in multi-family places multi-family plummeted 
And that's a problem because when you look at places where people want to live, they tend to be larger cities. You're not going to see a lot of single family being built. You're going to see a lot more multifamily. Multifamily is how you get more people into a space. It's how you create more density. And it's actually how you create more affordability because you can build more property on the same piece of land. So if you're going to build, you know, townhomes, you're going to build apartments, whatever it is, you can build far more units than you can if you're just doing single family. And so we saw multifamily kind of drop off. However, multifamily is really keeping these numbers elevated. And you can see that in the data. Um, If not for multifamily, this would look much different. Year over year, single family permits were down 30% and housing starts are down 32%. So you look that compared to where we are with those actual numbers of 16% and 22%, we're talking about 30% and 32% big difference. And it shows you that there are positive numbers happening with multifamily. The one interesting component, and this once again goes back to what happened during the pandemic when multifamily really kind of fell off, completions are still majority single family. When you include um, both, or I should say when you include just single family, completions are actually up more 10% year over year versus the 6% that we saw with both single family and multifamily. So clearly multifamily is much more popular right now, which is actually a good thing, which we're going to talk about when we talk about that Bloomberg um, op-ed. So it's a lot of people might say, Oh no, you know, this, this shows that, you know, things may not be as rosy as everyone thinks. I actually like to see multifamily being built. I think that that's really kind of the future and is better for housing in the long run. Now, of course we talk about this, for months now, and that is the South continuing to dominate all the other regions. And that's true once again in this report. In every single category, the South made up more than 50% of whatever the category is. So if it's permits, it's permits, whatever it may be. Um, All three categories, they were over 50%. They were 50.7% of housing completions. 55.2% of all housing starts and 56.2% of permits. So that means the other three regions are sharing the other 50% of the pie, which is just crazy how, I mean, if so, basically if it wasn't for multifamily in the South, things would be really bad. I mean, both those, the South and multifamily are really, really propping up these numbers. And so, I mean, this report, a lot of people are trying to throw a negative kind of picture. And, and I get that, right? I mean, the housing start number is bad. I mean, it's it's down by a lot. Our building permits are down bad. It's, it's down by over 20%. But we talked yesterday about home builder confidence. I mean, it's plummeted. But as we mentioned yesterday, it looks like we're getting close to that bottom. That's good. So then we'll hopefully start to see these building permits start to turn around. I mean, remember, we're still underbuilt in this country by anywhere from three to five million homes. So the fact that permits are falling is just not something that you want to see. Luckily, we are seeing some positive 
data from multifamily, which will help with that, uh, the fact that we're underbuilt. But let's hope that builders start to feel like we've reached this bottom and things are going to start turning around so we don't see a situation where, once again, we're lacking in inventory. We're already there. I mean, inventory levels, we may start 2022 or 2023 with less homes than we started this year (laughs) because that's how bad inventory is. So we do need to build. There's no doubt about that. Um, Let's hope these commodity prices come down and make it more affordable for these these home builders to build. And a sign that we may be getting close to a an equilibrium with regards to a slowdown. I mean, we know we're seeing a slowdown with regards to housing, but rents, of course, have also been on fire. And we have been seeing a slowdown with the rents as well. And we have a new report from CoreLogic looking at the single family rent index which shows how much rent is slowing down. In fact, for the month of October, which this port report covers, single family rent growth fell into the single digits for the first time in 14 months. So it's been a little while (laughs) since we've seen a number like this. Nationwide rent prices were up 8.8% year over year, That is down from the 10.2% that we saw in September and is down from the 14% that was recorded, the record high that we saw in April. You know what's really funny? So I'm reading this, of course, off the website, marketsandmortgages.com, my website. And, you know, so, of course, I read all these these posts and this is where I get the data for the show and everything. And, you know, I put it in a nice digestible form is... (laughs) You know, these reports can sometimes get a little confusing because, you know, this is we got this report in December, but it's actually for October. And so sometimes the report will say, well, the previous month. So my brain, when I (laughs) when I was trying to think what the month before October was, I came up with August, (laughs) not September. (laughs) So I will be changing that (laughs) on the website. And it will be changed in the email. So if you're listening to the podcast, little Easter egg for you. (laughs) I thought that that, oh man, you got to love it. You got to love what your brain comes up with sometimes. Uh, And then here's what's interesting about this data. So the higher priced tier. So we have, you know, a high price tier, a mid high, a mid low, and then a lower price tier. The higher price tier has now fallen to a 17-month low. That's with regards to growth. I mean, prices-wise, no, it's it's not at a low. Prices are still growing, but it's at a 17-month low with regards to growth at 7.5%. That was followed by the higher middle price that's seen 8.8% growth, and then the lower middle price was up 9.9% year over year. And then I, I would say, unfortunately, and I, I put that here in the post because it is unfortunately, because you think about, you know, low priced rentals and you're thinking that those are people that can least afford rent prices skyrocketing. You know, maybe these are people who can't buy and therefore are having to rent 
and they would like to one day buy. So they're trying to save the money and then their rent prices are, are, are jumping up. And you think like, okay, someone that's like in the high priced area, you know, maybe they're renting for another reason, but they can afford the increase in rent. And it's unfortunate that the only category that it remained above double digits, because remember lower, lower middle price was below it at 9.9% is the only category that saw an increase for the month. So every other category fell except for the lower priced, which was up 1.3 percentage points to 11% year over year growth. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, from a purely economic standpoint, the people who are getting priced out of buying right now because of what's happened with mortgage rates along with home prices, they're the ones who are forced to rent. So you're gonna have a lot more people at the lower price versus say the high price because they're not getting priced out. They're just renting because maybe they want to or whatever reason they're choosing to do that. That's what's kind of unfortunate about this. That's what kind of sucks about reading a report like this is at the lowest price, the people who can least afford these big rate hikes are the ones that are seeing it. And that does kind of suck. But like I said, it makes sense because you're probably seeing a lot of, there's a lot of demand at that price level. And so it sucks, but that's the reality of the situation. And then I know you're seeing a slowdown as we are talking about here in this data, but there of course is one state where things remain very hot. And that would be Florida, both temperature wise and well, relative to, to what it's cold in North Carolina. It's like, it was like 35, six degrees on Tuesday morning. So I'm not sure if it's, I'm sure it's hotter in Florida. I don't, I don't know what the temperature is, but the real estate market still very hot. And that is true with rental markets. Miami posted the highest year over year increase in this report with single family rents up 16.3% year over year. And Orlando was number two, another city in Florida up 15.5%. And then Boston, oddly enough, taking the third spot up 15.5%, followed by Tucson up 9.3% and Atlanta up 8.8%. So it's kind of good news that we're only seeing three major metro areas with double digit year over year growth because it wasn't long ago that like the top 20 were seeing double digit. I mean, the, the average was year, double digit year over year. And now we've seen the overall index fall into single digits for the first time in 14 months. And now only three of the top metro areas are still seeing double digit rent growth year over year. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of silver linings in this report, especially for renters out there. Uh, Molly Bozel, economist at CoreLogic says that rents are dropping even more than usual for this time of year saying quote, single family rents decreased again on a monthly basis in October, but we're still up year over year. While rents typically experience a seasonal decline in October, this year's decrease was larger than average and could point to prices slowing more sharply than expected in the coming months. That would be some great news for people out there who are renting like me. (laughs) That'd be some very good news. And then, all right, before we go, real quick here, great piece over at Bloomberg by the editorial board. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much. I link to it, of course, uh, on my website and with the companion newsletter, both of which are available at, 
I almost forgot the website. Markets and mortgages. <laughs> That's why I have to end the show. I'm already forgetting the name of the podcast and the website. So the editor's right. Deciding what can be built, where is, or, okay, hold on. Let me, let me start over again. Deciding what can be built, where is a perfectly legitimate power of local governments across America? Did I read that sentence? I still feel like I'm weird. I'm reading, I'm reading it weird. Deciding what can be built where is a perfectly legitimate power of local governments across America. There we go. I feel like I got that correctly. It's also a tool of exclusion that is undermining the economy, deepening inequality, and even exacerbating climate change. Okay. (laughs) I, I get the last part because a lot of people think that big cities are bigger polluters because there's more people and you know smog and you think, you know, you think New York and LA and oh the cars and everything else. But what's crazy is that if it weren't for those commuters and it was just people that were living in those big cities and were walking everywhere and they weren't driving because it was more convenient to walk, that actually creates less pollution. So that's the argument with why people people think density and they think pollution, but it's actually the opposite, the more dense a city is actually the less it contributes to pollution and global warming and, and all of that. So there you go. <laughs> There's the political argument for uh, global warming and uh, NIMBYism. But there's a, there's a great paragraph in this that I like. They said such exclusionary zoning harms the entire nation. It relegates the excluded to places with little opportunity and unhealthy living conditions. It aggravates, I love the global warming argument. It aggravates global warming by redirecting population to car dependent exurbs and relatively energy intensive locales in the South and Midwest. It makes house prices and rents in desirable locations unaffordable for the typical family, which in turn stunts economic growth by preventing people from living where their talents can best be applied. And I and I I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but there was this article in which they talked about this study that was done and they said that if New York and I think it was San Francisco, Silicon Valley, right around that area, if if New York and Silicon Valley had grown at the same pace of Atlanta, our GDP would be 2 trillion dollars more. Yeah, like 10% more because those areas are so prosperous and there are so many advantages to living in those areas, you know, with regards to education, but just opportunities, these companies to work for. And there are people that can't afford to live there. And so therefore they can't go work for those companies or go to those schools or whatever it is. And so because they're not getting that opportunity, there are people who should be there and aren't. And so we miss out on them achieving their full potential, which would create an extra $2 trillion to GDP. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's $2 trillion. I know a trillion dollars is nothing anymore. It's like trillion dollars here, trillion dollars there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money, but it's a big number. A lot of zeros, a lot of zeros. Okay, we got to go. You can read the whole piece over at the website in the companion newsletter, along with everything else that we talk about here on Markets and Mortgages. You guys, enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here Thursday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate 
and wait.